Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ takes a look at how the culminations of signs in I Am Resurrection Life begins now. It comes from John chapter 11, verses 17 through 48. I want to begin this morning by asking a question. Are you anti-fragile? Anti-fragile is the name of a book, bestseller book about 12, 10, 12 years ago. Um, and it had to do with a way of approaching life. It's not a title that just jumps off your tongue. But it offers really interesting insights. I was reading it because... The subtitle is about how to survive and thrive in times of disruption and change and turmoil. And I thought that was a rather interesting kind of a thing to be looking at these days because, you know, I'm alive. And the last two years plus, and how do we, how do we position ourselves? How do, we, how do we find a stance in such a way in time to turmoil? How do we live and how do we live well? And I came across this phrase, anti-fragile. Nassim Taleb is the author, and he said there's basically three different ways of approaching this life. And the one is being fragile, and the other is being resilient, and then there's anti-fragile. Fragile things don't like change. Fragile things don't like disruption. Think of a candle. A little bit of a breeze, and it blows it out. It, you want to protect it. You want to keep it around it. You want to somehow keep it there safe. If you have a torch, that's a little more resilient because the fuel's down below, it's got a little thing, and it can take a lot more wind. It's pretty resilient. But in what case, in what case would that flame be anti-fragile? And one of his examples was, think of a brush fire. Brush fires aren't afraid of wind. They feed on it. They get energized by it. They live on it. And his whole point was sometimes, sometimes when there's change in our midst, we, we keep treating things as if they are fragile, that we have to protect them, we have to hold on to them as if they're rigid, or we just try to bolster and just hang on for all we've got and be resilient, when in fact, it'd be better if we were to take a stance of how do we, how do we become more and more anti-fragile? We see it in other places. We see it in things like the concept of liberty. No matter how many times people try to put it down, it just seems to keep coming up and you can't hang on and you can't stop it. It just seems to have a life of its own. And almost, almost so much so that even, even with lots of oppression and, even, and, and suppression, it just seems to grow even stronger. Knowledge, the same thing. You can try to hang on to say, let's not, let's not go there with this knowledge. Let's hang on to this. But knowledge has a way of just growing. And the more you try to keep it down, the more it, it spreads. Life itself, life itself is anti-fragile. It, it adapts, it, it innovates, it, it evolves, it changes. What if, what if some of the things that you and I are trying to hang on to are the things that we need to reorient and treat as if there is something there that will energize. 
All of that is to say that this is an important idea that I think helps illustrate our story. It's a great key for me to come to this story that you and I have, have heard this morning and you've read and I've read before. And this story itself is, is a wonderful way of helping us interpret how is it we're to live well in times of turmoil and distress, in times of heartache. And it's a story, this story is a key story in the book of John. It is a key story in that there is within the book of John these stories about the, the, the signs. And this is the seventh of seven signs that's, that's in John. So this is the culmination. Everything's been sort of building up to this one. And it's been building up to this one in, in such a way that you're supposed to pay attention to it in a whole different way. It's also one of the times when Jesus uses one of his great I am statements, seven of those in the book of John as well. And here it is, here's another one of those. It's about life because the whole book of John is about life. Life that you might have, a life that might come that much, you might know and have it abundantly. But it's a story, it's a story that begins in death, right? It's, it starts with death and it starts with heartache and it, start, it starts with disappointment, it starts with Martha and her sister Mary. And this story about life starts with the death of their brother, Lazarus, who we find out is a friend of Jesus's. And this story, without going into all the details, goes into great lengths to make sure we understand that Lazarus is dead. And when Martha sees Jesus, the question, the statement, the interrogation, if you had been here, Jesus, for crying out loud, you were a couple miles away. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Hard words, hard words from a, only a friend sometimes could ask that. Only people who were familiar. Martha asked it, Mary asks it as well. You know, if you had been here. And then Jesus to Martha asks her this question, just says, you know, your brother will rise again. And her answer is, yeah, 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 I know, I know. On the, la on the last day, the resurrection of the dead, I got it. But Jesus, my heart is breaking. I've got the right answers. I know I could pass the test. I could join the church. I've, got all the I've gone through confirmation. I know what to say. I actually believe it. I actually believe in you are who you say you are. And that's why I'm a little bit ticked right now. Because I believe who you are, you weren't here. Where were you? Where were you? My heart is breaking. The life has gone out of me. And if we're looking for a place to intersect in this story, I'm going to suggest that's the place to start because I don't know anybody who's lived long at all who hasn't had those kind of experiences. God, if you had been here, and then you just fill in the blank, it's my brother, it's my sister, my family member, my friend. God, have you seen the images coming out of Ukraine? God, have you not been paying attention to what's been going on in the world the last couple years? 
and we could just keep going. What do you do there? What, what is this life? What does it mean to be anti-fragile? What does it mean to have a life and live it well, to believe in a resurrection, to believe in God, and you've got all the right answers, and it still, it still comes knocking on your door, this turmoil, this, this disruption, this death. What's the point of believing if it doesn't stop anything? If having all the right answers about God, if having all the right answers about Christ, if, if, if faith, if that doesn't stop, then what's the point? It's faith. Is faith just a comfort? Is faith just a comfort that we hold so that someday, as Martha said, write it. So after the end of it all, through this, through this time of suffering, this time of death, then we get to live again. Is that, is that what our faith is about? Because if that's what it's about, then what do we do with the rest of our lives once we have all the right answers? How do we live? And if it's not about the sincerity of our faith that keeps us from these things, then what? Martha's not having it. She'll have none of this. That it's just, that's just what it is. Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus isn't having it either, for that matter. He goes to the, t- he goes to the tomb, and despite all the, the protestations, and he goes, and, and then there is something about Jesus that is profound. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. And Jesus didn't only weep, it says, and then he, he was angry, he was indignant, there was, he was disturbed, he was in turmoil. And the question is, why was Jesus in such turmoil if he already knew what he was going to do? Why did he go, oh, Martha, 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 don't worry about it, see what I'm going to do here? I'm just going to raise this person up from the dead and everything is good. But he didn't, he weeps and he's indignant and he is bothered and it is tearing him up. Why? Why, if, if Jesus is the divine, why would he do that? It's because Jesus is divine. It's because Jesus is human. This is what humans do. When their friends die, they weep. And they don't have to try to be, pretend to be so spiritual that they can say, well, it's, it's okay because afterwards we're going to rise from the dead. Don't you hate that when somebody does that? When, you're, when you are sad, when you have had a loss and somebody tries to give you a pat answer and say, well, you shouldn't be sad because you know they're in heaven. When has that ever worked? When has it ever worked to take the next step, which is somehow to shame somebody a bit, as if to imply that because you're grieving, you're not all that spiritual. If you were just spiritual, you'd be above all this, and you wouldn't be so worried. Try telling that to Jesus. Hey, here's a pro tip. Don't try to be more spiritual than Jesus. If Jesus is weeping and if Jesus is overwhelmed by the, the grief and the sadness of the moment, of the loss of the friend, and the loss and the sorrow that is around him, and the world that he came to, if Jesus can weep, then maybe, maybe the problem isn't that we will somehow break apart. But in that grief, as we are fully immersed, fully participating, maybe that's what it means to be spiritual, is to be fully present and alive to all of life because it's there where life our heart breaks open what does it mean to be anti-fragile 
in that moment. Lazarus is probably our best, our best picture. Lazarus is the one who comes out of the tomb and hears Jesus call his name. I actually think that in order to understand this, you need to go just a little further into the next chapter because it's in that next chapter that there's this fascinating picture because Lazarus is there. It says about six days before Passover, just at the beginning of what we would call Holy Week. They're hosting a dinner for their friend Jesus. Lazarus is there. How does it feel to be Lazarus after having gone through that? And now he's at table with the one who called his name out of the tomb and welcomed him. There's this fascinating, it's always stuck with me, this passage. The chief priests were really upset. They were upset with Lazarus because he came back from the dead. And this was playing havoc with how they understood who God was and what God was doing. And so they had a plot. Now they were going to kill Lazarus too. They were already going to kill Jesus. But now they're going to kill Lazarus. And Lazarus, think about this. Lazarus is the first person in the Bible to, to be considered just as dangerous as Jesus. They had to kill him too. And while you're thinking about that, think of the, the absurdity of that. How, how worried do you think Lazarus was? You know, the priests are coming. If they find you, they're going to kill you. Been there, done that. <laughs> Lazarus is the epitome of anti-fragile. That, that, that the worst can happen and, and he's thriving. He's at table with Christ. And it's in so doing, it's in so doing that it, it was his presence that was causing the problem. It was his presence that was inspiring faith. It was his presence that was inspiring generosity. And it, it was at this same dinner that his sister Mary pours out the ointment in, in such a grand and over, overwhelming way. And why not? She was in the presence of one who himself had become a sign of what God was doing. To not do that would have been absurd. If Lazarus was anti-fragile, the priests are the ones who are absolutely fragile. Because their faith was fragile, their politics were fragile, their God was fragile. If, you, if this keeps going, the Romans are going to come in and they're going to overwhelm us. Here's some context for this whole story. All the Gospels, but particularly John, have, when they finally got in the form that we have it, the written form, not just the stories that we're going about, when written form, and particularly John, happened after Jerusalem had been destroyed. The very thing, the very thing that they were, they were scared of, the very thing they were trying to protect is the very thing that happened, that the Romans had come and it destroyed everything. And the world ended, or at least their world ended, because in their mind, God was too fragile and their faith was too fragile. It had to stay like this and we have to protect it. We have to protect, we have to protect our faith in such a way that we even have to kill people who differ from it because it is shaking things up over and we can't have that. 
If you were looking for another place to, to jump into this story, I would suggest thinking of your own experience where in your own life where your faith has changed and you have seen something different and now you have, you have shaken the system and, and religion in general tends to like to keep things stable and steady and anything that threatens to change it starts to become considered the enemy. I'm thinking just some of the changes in my own life and just in just my short life in terms of human history and just in terms of the way I understand the Bible. And hearing people say, if you do that, you will have, you'll destroy the Bible, you'll destroy the world, everything comes down. Well, says who? It didn't. My understanding of ordination, whether it came to women first and early in the early, early days, but later on, even, even as, as the, the, the debates around inclusion of gay and lesbian, trans, and people said, if you do that, if you make that change, if, if, you, if you embrace that, the whole thing comes down. If you believe in evolution, or at least allow for evolution, it's all gone. The game's over. And it's this idea that we have to hang on to this and be so rigid. And if you don't, if you don't, then you are excluded. And you are shamed. As if God isn't big enough for that. And, and even with where I am, if people don't agree with me, that's okay. Because God is bigger than that. God isn't so small that everybody has to believe the same thing. To be anti-fragile is to be part of something larger than just my little set of beliefs that I've had that get changed. More than just having the right answer. It is as Lazarus, who's at the table. He is there with Christ. And I doubt if Lazarus understood half of what had happened to him, and he didn't have to. He just knew that he was part of something that was bigger than himself. A couple generations later, a guy named Irenaeus, come from the same area where this gospel was written, said this, he says, the glory of God, the glory of God is humanity fully alive, and the life of humanity is the vision of God. To be fully alive, to be fully alive is that's what God is looking for, and it has to do with more than just having all the right answers. It has to do with more and not being so concerned with whether it's spiritual enough to be angry with God or whether to be sad and heartbroken. It's, it's not enough to, do, to be rigid in, your, in the way you're holding things. It is to be able to, to observe, to, to, to revel in, to, to wonder and behold Christ and let that begin to seep into your life. It's more than having just the right answers. For someday on the other side, so that there will be life after death. It is about embracing life before you die. It is about having a resurrection life that begins now. We come to a table today. We come like Lazarus did. We come to be reminded, we come to reorient ourselves. 
How is it that we are going to live a life that is full in a world that is so broken and so disrupted? How do we thrive in such a world? Is it because we are going to double down and hang on to and hold on to the world that we thought we used to know and say it has to be this? Or is it that we just have to buck up and really just try harder and harder and harder to be resilient? Or is it, is it because we are now in the presence of one who is bigger than death? And bigger than the changes. And in that, as we sit there, as we behold there, as we listen for what God is trying to say into our life today, we become more and more anti-fragile. More and more fully alive. Would you join me in prayer? We come this day, O oh God, to your table. We come not because we have all the right answers. Because even if we thought we did, they don't seem to be enough. But we don't. We don't know why things are going the way they are going. We don't know why there is such heartbreak in our own life and in this world. But we come to you to behold you, to be in your presence, to be in the presence of one who is greater so that we too can participate in the life that has no end, that not even death can stop, that we might become signs, we might become the occasion of blessing, we might become the source of inspiration, of generosity and faith as others become fully alive to you. Through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.